Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan and thank you for joining us today. As we enter into the holiday season, I felt it was of utmost importance to direct our minds and hearts into a new series that will hopefully change the way we view this time of year. In light of all the political corruption and blatant disregard for God's law in today's world, my intent with this series is to put those things aside, important as they are, and pursue something much more worthwhile. In all the universe, there is no greater topic of study than that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, for the next several weeks, we'll be going into a deeper dive into the works and person of Jesus. My greatest desire is that this look into the study of Christ, also known as Christology, will reshape your life as a whole, but also to set ablaze our fondness and dependence on our Lord Jesus. So, for today, let's discuss a surface-level overview of perhaps the most important question in all of human history. Who is Jesus Christ? The first thing that we have to understand is that he is a real historical figure. Virtually all historians and scholars of antiquity agree that this man, Jesus Christ, was a real person who lived 2,000 years ago. The archaeological evidence and documentation of this is overwhelming, so there has never really been a debate about whether or not Jesus actually existed or not. In addition, the four gospel accounts are also generally accepted as being historically accurate. While they may debate the spiritual aspects of those gospel accounts, they are considered historically accurate. However, this is where things start to splinter off in different directions. Some have drawn the conclusion that he was a rebel building up a Roman insurrection because of his revolutionary ideas. Others considered him to be a great teacher, on par with or greater than the philosophers of the day, just like Sun Tzu, Socrates, or Aristotle. Others consider him to be a Jewish prophet of God. Others considered him as a lunatic and a blasphemer, worthy of a criminal's death on a Roman cross. And others have even dared to suggest that Jesus was God on earth and were willing to declare this in the face of punishment or even death. Regardless of whatever conclusion is reached, there is no denying that Jesus Christ is a man of historical significance. The second thing to keep in mind is that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah of the Jews. They did not recognize him as the Messiah because he was not what they expected. They expected something completely different from their Messiah. The religious leaders of the first century did not really know the God that they claimed to serve, so they missed him. It's commonly accepted by biblical scholars that Jesus fulfilled over a whopping 700 prophecies in his lifetime. 
We know that God was at work in this because the odds of this happening at random are mathematically impossible. The probability of someone fulfilling even two of the prophecies, exactly as predicted in the Old Testament, I've heard it described like this. Think about the state of Texas. On its own, Texas is huge. You can fit whole countries inside of it. Imagine filling every piece of ground across the entire state of Texas with pennies. There is no ground visible at this point, except you just see a field of pennies across the entire state. Now stack those pennies up two feet high. Now, one of them, somewhere across the entire state of Texas, has a black dot on the bottom of it, but you have no idea where. So now, imagine somebody blindfolding you, and you have only one chance to pick one penny anywhere in Texas, and you hope you get it right. These are the mathematical odds of someone fulfilling only two prophecies. Jesus fulfilled about 700 of them. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 18 says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Likewise, John chapter 5 Verse 39 says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. Go down to verses 46 and 47. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? These statements that Jesus made lead to the reality that he is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. Every single book of the Old Testament points to the coming Messiah, the coming King, or the coming Judge, which are all fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But if Moses really wrote about him, the question is, where? Well starting from the very first verse of the Bible, of course. Through the Holy Spirit, Moses wrote this in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word, God, has limited depth in English compared to the original Hebrew. In Hebrew, this word is Elohim, which is a masculine plural noun. When you compare this with John chapter 1, it becomes clear that the Trinity was present from the very beginning, including the preeminent Christ. Additionally, Christ's coming was declared in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.15 says, when God is speaking to Satan, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. 
he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. From that point on, Jesus is present throughout the narrative of the Old Testament. From the Passover lamb in Exodus, the scapegoat in Leviticus, the lifting up of the bronze serpent on a pole in Numbers, and the list keeps growing. It had to happen in this way because all of human history was leading up to the singular point in time that defined God's redemptive act on behalf of all humanity. Paul wrote this in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Most importantly, we have to understand and believe without a doubt that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. Yes, the same God that created all things, the same God that flooded the earth, the same God that rescued Israel out of Egypt, the same God that saved Daniel and his friends from a fiery furnace and a den of lions. Jesus Christ is the Lord, the master of our souls, and the only name in all of the universe that can save us from our sin. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 3, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. John 14 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you ask, show us the Father? Jesus has declared that he is God in the flesh, proved who he was by his birth, his life, his fulfillment of scripture, his miracles, his death, and finally, through his resurrection. So now, we have come to this point, and we know that this is not the end of Jesus. At this present time, the reality is that we go beyond the accounts and history of the Bible and recognize that he has risen from the dead and has returned to the right hand of the Father on high. We read throughout the New Testament that he will return again someday. We don't know when he's coming back, but in the meantime, he's still working. He calls us out of the world of darkness. He mediates to the Father on our behalf. He sanctifies us as our high priest. He instructs us how we shall work for him. And when he does come back, he will be our judge, our jury, and our defense attorney in the courtroom of heaven. We have nothing to fear because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, and we have been declared righteous. But he will be the executioner of those who do not know him. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the sovereign ruler of all existence. In light of everything we've discussed to this point, 
this should leave us in a sense of awe and wonder. Do we really recognize Jesus as this? The God of all things condescends from his lofty throne in heaven to have a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know him through his Son. And we've been given the honor and privilege to study who he is in as much fullness as our bodies can handle. This makes Jesus the greatest subject in the world. And we should spend our lives searching and understanding as much of his majesty and loving kindness as he allows us. He wants to be known. And he has made the way for us. The ball is now in our court. We have the personal responsibility to seek him out while he may be found and find the deep pleasure of basking in his glorious presence. The time is now. Are you ready to experience your Lord? Are you ready to meet your God? I sincerely hope the answer is yes, because that's what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. We're going to look at all the aspects of who Jesus is, every phase of his life, the significance of it, the things leading up to his birth, his time even as a child, the things he did in his ministry, the significance of the things he said. We're going to go in as much into it as possible. So I hope you can follow along with us in this journey because it will be worthwhile. And my hope is that it will deepen your spiritual life and draw you closer to the Lord in prayer and in meditation. For now, we'll go ahead and stop here for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.